The Breakdown Podcast. I would love Oli to stay. <laughs> you, you know know why? Because as long as he stays, United aren't that yeah. much of a threat. <laughs> you know what? That was the first game that really finished me off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that was the first game. That was the game that finished me off. Oh, <laughs> I keep hearing that. Oh, it's, it's not my fault if you can't fill your stadium. Innit? It's not my fault. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Tell them. Tell them. What's good, people? You're tuned into the Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by the Football Supplement. Got the full team in the building. We'll start with T because obviously you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You got five. <laughs> five and the black folly. <laughs> yeah, cool. I'm just gonna hold that one. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna feed into it. <laughs> what are you saying, Jay? Where I'm good. Certain man tried to try to pick off one of our players. ESR. Where we had to show that team. There's levels to this. You, can't be, you know, what I mean, there's levels to this. So, so I'm good, man. You know, I'm good. <laughs> I'm wearing my tin hat today. <laughs> yeah. What are you saying, Kofi? Yeah, I'm good, man. You know, seven star performance. If there's ever such a saying. You know, but yeah, we're just here, man. We're just here, but yeah, onwards and upwards. Top of the league can't get much better than that, can it? How can you get slapped 7 0 in the Premier League? I know we saw 9 0, didn't we? It was mm. 9. Who got 9? Southampton. Leicester and Saints, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's it. And uh, but, I'm thinking, I think you survived after that, you know, so you know. Yeah, 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 it's true. It's true. What are you saying? So, so there's hope for for Farka, yeah? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I don't know Norwich. They don't seem to be good at what they're good at. Basically, at mm. prem level, you know, that's that's what I take from them. Um, mm. Yeah, seven um, nil. You can't even though it's away and Chelsea's a decent side and that you can't seven That's is seven is seven <laughs> is away. Se, you know what I mean? Seven is seven is wild. Yeah, seven is wild. wild. I've got a lot and of questions then, for for Norwich, man. Mm, go on. I've got a lot of questions because they've they've been here before. You know what I mean? Like they've been here, literally been here before, and they learned a harsh lesson, and they they're not taking the notes. Like, man, are not going back, having a look. Take a look at the notes, what's going on. It's not any different. Like, I feel like it's naivety now um, and a bit of negligence. Because I was looking at the transfers and I'm thinking to myself, hmm, like, okay, so we know about Puki. Obviously, Puki hasn't hit the heights that he did um, the start of last season. But then I'm looking at, like, okay, so you lose Buendia, big loss. Um, but you bring in Rashika, he's kind of not really featured consistently. What's going on with Campbell? Like, I understand the contract situation and maybe there's a bit of off-field, whatever, but Campbell is Campbell at the end of the day. He's a good player. He's a young player. He's, a, he's an English player. He's got talent. Where is he? Playing for the under-23s. Ozan Kabak, boy. It's a, I've got experience of, of, of watching him closely 
It's not good enough. He's not good enough. I'm sorry. He's not good enough. He, 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 he got your team top three, mate. He was part he of didn't. it. He didn't. He didn't. <laughs> he, he didn't. I'll tell you what he did. He climbed, he climbed into Alison Becker and his debut. That's what he did. Yeah. Embarrassed himself. Embarrassed Liverpool. That guy is not, he's, he's not good enough, man. I'm sorry. He's just not. Is it, um, would you say Kabak's not Prem level then, yeah? Just, just, just a quick one on that. I mean, it, it, it might sound harsh, but I, I don't think he is. Because he, he seems like, I look at his attributes and he, he seems a bit cumbersome. He doesn't seem like he's got the quickest turn of pace. He, he, he doesn't shift quickly enough. And he's always, you know, there's, there's, a, there's like a moment before he actually turns his body around if he needs to run back to his own goal. And it, it, it feels like it's 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 a, it just no, nah, bro. It's it's the truth. It's the truth, man. It, it takes him a minute. So maybe um maybe he's best playing at a side where um they're soaking up pressure and and you know he can butt the ball away and 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 perhaps he he has a bit more control about how he about how he plays. But at the moment, Norwich are so open. He's played for Liverpool. Play play about high line um in the Premier League, and it's just not suited him, man. So yeah, he he doesn't look. Premier League level, but maybe it's just the system. Um, the other thing I was going to say is, why is Grant Hanley still playing? He is not Premier League level. I'm sorry, but he's just not. Um, it, it just has to come a point where you just have to take your lessons, you know, take your licks, learn from it and, and make the changes, man. Um, Daniel Fark is not helping himself. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a bit concerned with... Um... The, the switching because obviously they switched to this five three two to try and mm. I guess um you know try and not ship ship goals and that's exactly what they've done in this game but um I think managers here yeah, in the Premier League or some managers in the Premier League are sh- turning to this formation or turning to back threes back fives in an attempt to not ship goals and be solid but really yeah says to me that maybe they don't understand how difficult it is to actually implement um, that sort of formation. It's a specialist formation. It requires either um, highly adaptable players or specialised players that can that can fit in the roles that you need for the, the 5-3-2. And I just think that even like watching them against Chelsea, some of the things that like they were trying to do, some of the things that the players were trying to do for a team at the bottom of the league with no wins. John Sh- John um is it Josh Sargent or John Sargent? I can't remember Josh Josh Sargent. Like the ball's not to him and his first touch is so bad. <laughs> I don't know um, <laughs> if you saw it. It's so bad that like a Chelsea player nowhere near him had time to, to come and win the ball. It was so <laughs> bad and they and they kept doing that like um you know him and Pookie Pookie worked hard as usual but Basically, that the first touch of the two strikers wasn't anywhere near good enough for for Premier League level and for that sort of formation where if you're if everyone is sitting back and the forwards are you know where they are when you knock it to them you need them to hold up the ball so that you can get everyone up the guys that are gonna try and support attacks if the two strikers are just the balls are bouncing off of them and they're not holding up the ball then you've got absolutely no chance and you put that together with a defense of Kabak, Grant Hartley and you know in a in a system that's not that easy to implement then you, you're in you're definitely going to be in trouble 
and that's and that's what we we've been seeing so far um, in the league. And Chelsea just had fun with them, and they could have scored more as well. It could have been really, really worse if it wasn't for Tim Krul. Tim Krul's probably their best player. I I love the fact that he saved the penalty, came back, and then <laughs> do you know what I mean. I thought he had a <laughs> yeah. good game. He shipped seven, but I thought he had a decent game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, you yeah. know, it's mad. It's mad that we have to we speak on these things and the fact that we speak about goalkeeper on their side being the best player, being the best player, it kind of <laughs> kind of just tells you the full story. Um, on the other hand, though, I mean, obviously for me, I, I was really happy with the win. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't be? But I, I kind of look at Norwich and I just think, obviously, Chelsea being sandwiched in between the sort of fixtures they had. I mean, if you looked at the, if you look at their fixtures, or the, even the previous two they had before playing us, they got two nil, two nil nil draws out of it. I think, I believe one of them was to Brighton and the other one was to Burnley away. Um, so obviously that's where the tactical changes obviously came. I think it was after their game against Everton, I believe. Um, so playing against playing against us was always going to be an uh, uphill battle. So, I mean, a lot of what you guys have said, I mean, it's, to- it's totally right. But I feel like, I mean, I don't know whether Farker's going to even have time that he's going to have, but we have to wait and see. I think the next three games are against teams in and around them or in, in against or against teams that you would expect them to challenge against or have more of a, more of a competitive match against. So, um, it remains to be seen, man. They've got Leeds next week. Leeds are equally in a lot of trouble. So that that's a six point already. Um, tenth game, game in. Um, it's a huge game for them. Then the following week, I think they've got Brentford away. Brentford and tough not to crack. Obviously, they came up came up together from the Championship to the Premier League. And then I think after international break, I think they've got Southampton at home. So the next three games for them is going to is essentially going to shape them you know, shape them obviously going forward. So who knows? We could be talking about a glimmer of light for them at the end of the tunnel. But I mean, I I definitely agree with what you guys have said, you know, regards to the profile players they've currently got at the moment. The fact that Todd Canwell is not even really featured. It's just absolutely criminal. Um, Yeah, Yeah. it just remains to be seen, man. I, I, I know what Norwich are trying to do. I mean, we could all see it, but it gets to a point where you, if you've been here once before, you need to try and weather the storm the second time round when you've been given that opportunity. Do you get me? Yeah. It's not often that teams manage to get two cracks at it within the space of, what, three seasons. Um, and they don't want to get relegated this year. They really, really don't. Because I feel like if they do, <laughs> I don't think they're going to be coming back for a while. Yeah. So, one, one, one thing on the point I want to make as well is that I think sometimes as a club, um, you need to be a bit ruthless. I don't know if, if Norwich are a ruthless club like that, but I, like I remember when Southampton, one of the first when they first came up, is it Nigel Atkins was in charge, right? Yeah, at the time, yeah. and when and they knew that they had to like, and I think he was actually doing all right at the moment when they sacked him, but yeah. they did it because they knew that was the right thing for the club to do, to move forward, to be able to stay in the league, um, and I just think that. Perhaps uh, it might be a case of with Daniel Fart that after the during the international break, these these two games might be his last two games. It well, if it was me, I would probably I'd you know you, you see what happens, but I'd probably cut the cords in the international break and make the best decision for the club um, because there's still time to redeem it. Um, they have to go down with a whimper, but I think sometimes you just need to know when 
a manager's a championship manager or championship level manager and you know when you need to move forward to, to keep you in the Premier League because it's tough right? and you need to do basic things right to stay in mm, yeah it's true I think in the, in a wider context as well like if you come to the Premier League and um, you don't put the level of investment needed in this Premier League you're not going to get away with it you're not going to get away with it you're going to get found out also, if you come playing this style of football, if you see a lot of the goals they're conceding, they're getting caught on the ball, passing it out from the back. I'm sorry, if you're rock bottom, you haven't won a game all season, you need to start knocking it long. You need to start knocking it long and you need to start being compact. The amount of gaps there were, you could fit a train through it. Do you get what I'm saying? And if you, if you defend like that, you're definitely going down and you're definitely going to see more of those types of performances. And you know, after the game, the manager's saying, yeah, you know what, man, we're just playing against a good team, you know? That's just what happened. You know, you're not going to play against Chelsea every week. But they've played, you know, eight other fixtures, is it, and got slapped. So you yeah. got two points after yeah. nine games. And he yeah. seems to be just like, yeah, we'll continue with the philosophy. And I think we spoke on the first first or second episode that we talked about, it. should you have players to fit a system or should you have a system to fit the players? And this is one of those where it's like, I don't think you have the luxury to, to say, yeah, we're still going to be passing it out from the back. You need to lock it long, mate. You need to be knocking it long, staying in your shape, yeah, and looking to looking to hit teams on the counter-attack. Granted, I'll give them, they lost a very big player for them, Buendia, their, you know, major playmaker, a, 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 a key cog in that midfield. And obviously, like you said, Todd Cantwell's not playing, so chance creation is always going to suffer when you've got two players with that level of output. It's always going to suffer, but I just think they're in big trouble. And and like you're saying, Jay, like if it was me personally, I'd be trying to stay in the league. Do you know what I mean? But I don't I don't get the impression that that's what they're gonna do personally. But obviously this is football, you never know. Because last time he went down, he's come back up with them. Um and they, they might know that they haven't invested enough in the squad, if that makes sense. It's weird. They might know they haven't got a Premier League team. It's full of I look at it and I see championship players. I don't see Premier League level and a Premier League standard of play. Mm. It, uh, I mean, boy, um, we're gonna have to wait and see. Do you know what I mean? I, I think all in all, I think if 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 I were part of the board, and you know, Daniel Farke is obviously trying to you know make a pitch, try and stake a claim to obviously keep his job and all the rest of it. You can equally just say, you know, I'm one of three managers in the league that hasn't got a win yet. You know. Newcastle and Burnley still haven't registered wins in the Premier League at all. And coincidentally, they're only two points behind those two teams. You know, and we've already seen what's happened to Steve Bruce already. I mean, Sean Dyche, I mean, he's going to do what he usually does every season. You know, eventually, Burnley are going to start picking up points. Um, and who knows? You know, Norwich City could just turn around the corner all of a sudden. All it takes is you know, two or three games, get, you know, get a couple of wins on, underneath the belt and, you know, the table just looks very, very different. Um, so, I mean, that's what you could probably try to angle, but it's difficult, man. It's difficult. Um, and I'm looking at the table now. It's, I mean, Crystal Palace, nine points in 15th place, you know, um, Norwich on two points at the moment. We have to wait and see. We have to wait and see. Do, do you reckon another manager can get a tune out of Pookie? And sergeant, and you know what? You know, what, I mean? you know what? can you can you work with Hanley, Gibson, like you're saying, um, you know, Kabak and stuff? Can 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 you stay up with that 
that team versus the other teams who are going to be battling relegation. Some of which, like you say, in the Leeds and the Newcastles have got better, better, seemingly better Premier League squads than them. Um, in my opinion, I mean, you just look at Brentford, for example. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie; I didn't watch Brentford. I didn't watch a lot of Brentford in the Championship. But you look at the standard. You look at Norwich City. I think Norwich City won the Championship, didn't they? Ahead of the likes yeah. of Brentford, so that would always indicate that they had a better squad. And Brentford haven't changed their team that much. But Tony, um, Tony, Tony scored a sack full of goals. Do you get what yeah, I'm saying? He did. He but, so did but, but so did Timo Piki. Do, do, do you see what mm. I'm saying? So I, I guess when you're when you're trying to look at it, it, it now comes down to a style of play. If another manager comes in, it is whether the team are capable of playing a more direct way and actually trying to become more of a destructive team to mm. other teams um, mm. and do they have that profile playing their team at the moment I look at their midfield it's, it, it looks very very light I know they've got Billy Gilmore of us on loan and that's not his type of game um, you know so they read I think they've really missed the buck here um, they, I think they invested in the wrong areas really they needed to try and get a target man to play up top with Timo Puki try and get him in and around goal, try and actually drag the team up, you know, more outfield and all this way, and just try and hold the ball, um, which they just don't seem to be able to do. Uh, I mean, yeah, they showed them... That, do you know what? Just just to say there, that's yeah. exactly what Brentford are doing. Do yeah, exactly. I mean? So even exactly. Brentford can mix it up. That's the difference. They can play ball on the ground, but if that's not working, they've got the, they've got the strike partnership. Yeah, and they've got up, the long, long, um, long throwings as well. There you go. So there's a few things that they can do, but this just looks like and, and like obviously getting Billy Gilmore, who is a get it, get it and give it type of midfielder, you know, mm. um, get it and give it primarily. You're getting him in your midfield, and it's like I get it to get him alone, but potentially they probably want to a bit more experience in there. Um, just 100%. a bit more experience, a bit more know-how. Did you guys hear the comment from um Daniel Clark? He said Norwich is not here to to develop. To develop Billy Gilmore for Chelsea or something like that. I don't know. It's quite a few for you. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, he said something I like. Even know the, I don't even know what the context was. I just, I yeah, just no, saw but, the comment and I thought, wow. <laughs> yeah, no. So basically, it was. I think a report asked him about the likes of like yeah, Billy Gilmore not being in the team, and I think um, Mr. Williams as well. What was his first name? I've forgotten from Man United. Brandon. Brandon. Brandon, Brandon, Brandon yeah. Williams. There we go. I was thinking Nico. Obviously, I was thinking Liverpool. Yeah, but yeah, Brandon yeah. Williams. Um, yeah, and I think he literally just responded. You know, it's quite. He was quite prickly because obviously he's clearly not in the mood. He was just basically like, "Yeah, we're not here to develop other play and um, players for other teams, <laughs> more or less." Um, which is kind of hype <laughs> to say. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, especially sure when you're the one. What you said to the yeah, exactly. that's not what you said to the parent club when you took them. Exactly, yeah. exactly, because you know he handpicked those players as well for himself. Do you get what I'm mm. saying? So for him to go turn around and do that, yeah, it kind of tells you what you need to know. He's definitely under pressure. He's definitely yeah. feeling it. Definitely speaking to say. It's definitely a poor thing to say, like mm. in the media. It's terrible. It's yeah. embarrassing. <laughs> you shouldn't be proud of. You shouldn't be proud of that. You definitely shouldn't be proud of that because as long as he's training and he's under your stewardship, it's your it's your responsibility to look after your whole squad. You know, mm. and the kind of us and them mentality to players who are on loan. What kind of confidence is that going to inspire? Do you know what I mean? And and when you get sacked because of this poor form and stuff, 
those players might go straight into the first team and be celebrating. And do you know what I mean? And it's like you yeah. could have had the opportunity to 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 play those players. Like you say, Brandon Williams, decent player. Obviously, I get it. Max Aarons is there and he's obviously one of their, their star players and whatever. But, you know, you built Gilmore, Max Aarons. They've got a few. Todd Cantwell, like I said, like they, they've got a few players there. But I just feel like they, if anyone's like, I don't feel like anyone can turn them around. Stranger things have happened, but when you start like this, and I can't see them winning. I can't. I can't. I don't know when they're gonna win a game. Do you know what I mean? There's certain teams that you're just like, okay, like with Newcastle, you can think Callum Wilson, Saint Max, a few other players. You know what I mean? You think, okay, cool. Crystal Palace, you think, yeah. Do you know what? They're they're they're, they're somewhere close, kind of thing. They've got a few players in that. Um, Norwich, no, no. I think that's no. Thank you, no. Thank you. We we just don't need that in the league. Because um, ultimately, <laughs> it's a wasted fixture. Once I don't need that in the league, wow! It's true. It's wow. true you get, because they're not going to change anything, and they might stay with their manager for the whole season, just getting slapped. And yeah. if you know me, I love to see teams get punished when they when they overplay the ball at the back. So yeah. it's a delight for me to see players and try it and just get smoked. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you're going to continue like that, you, you you're going to be gone. Yeah. It was poor on Saturday. I mean, Kovacic and Jorginho were just... It was like trading for them. They had no pressure on them whatsoever. They were just passing the ball into channels. And then it... I mean, if Norwich actually tried to... To actually try and get onto those guys, then Mr. Rudiger in his runs, take the ball, take it upon himself and just run all the way, basically, to, to their box, you know? So it was... It was just loving it. Was it. Yeah, it wasn't Premier League football at all. It wasn't really yeah. a challenge. Mm-hmm. It was the perfect type of game for pace, power, sort of players that are very slapdash, you know, anyone that's just very kind of, you know, just momentum. But it was just perfect. Like, you could just exert everything you needed to. I thought you were hinting at someone there. Listen, if the shoe fits. I thought, I thought you were hinting at someone there, mate. Yeah, I think you are hinting at someone there, mate. If the shoe fits, I get it off your chest, mate. I get it off your chest. All I say, well done to Mason Mount for the hat trick. No, 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 fella. No, no, no. We're not doing this here. No, no, no. After yeah. last week, last week, well done to, you stuck well it on done. me. Who are you referring well, to, mate? Listen, Who we're going to get on to Liverpool. We're going to get on to Liverpool and United in a bit. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not about Liverpool time. United. You are referring, <laughs> you said slapdash, pace, power. You're yeah. referring to Chelsea, power. Who are you referring to, mate? Because I know that that is not Money Mace. You're talking about someone else there, mate. Someone, there's loads of players who scored, you know. They scored seven goals, bruv. Yeah, you're talking about Rudiger running. (laughs) I wasn't even talking about (laughs) Rudiger, I wasn't talking about Rudiger. Power paces, yeah. I actually thought you were referring to to, um, to Callum, you know. Yeah, yeah, I thought you were referring to Callum. Yeah, no, man, I mean, in general, man, I mean, in general, like if you look at most of the goals, yeah, how were most of the goals scored? Was it like lovely build up play, you know, cut it back or what? It wasn't that, it was literally, it was like they were just getting. They were getting pumped. That is the definition <laughs> of getting pumped. That was literally yeah. one after the other in succession. And they just they couldn't do nothing about it. Do you get what I'm saying? It's yeah. like they had no ideas. And they kept trying to play out from the back. That's the most frustrating thing. They yeah. kept trying to play out from the back. Why? At yeah. a certain point, yeah. I feel like every manager at a certain point, yeah, should at least do one or two training sessions for two things, yeah? Number one, if we're getting pumped, yeah, this is the shape we need to go into. Number two, if we go down to 10 men, this is the shape we need to go into. 
Yeah, mm. every manager should be instructing their, their their team that this is what we do, and everyone should know it because at the end of the day, there's pride at stake. There's fans that are traveling. Do you get what I'm trying to say? <laughs> traveling away to go and watch it's that. Money. And do you get what I'm saying? And that's the mm. one thing you expect a team to do is it when you're getting smart, you're just going back into a shape, and you know what I mean. And and yeah. this is what you need to do. And they didn't do that. Yeah, they've they've definitely um had some you know regression because some of the fixtures um that they played when they were last in, in, in the league, it's just stark turnarounds, you know. I think they beat City. Was it three two? They beat City. I can't remember the score like, remember, yeah. yeah, they beat City and they got pumped by City, right? Five nil. Mm-hmm. Um Liverpool, I think, yeah, the Liverpool game, I think they got pumped. But I was just thinking like successively they played those sides. I remember at least Norwich would put up a bit of a, a fight. If you're going to play that way, they're going to attack and they're going to cause you a bit of danger. They're going to cause you something to worry about. Um, but yeah, losing to Chelsea 7, City 5, Liverpool 3, it's just, it's just quite comprehensive, man. And some of their players are underperforming. Max Ahrens, you know, he, I'm not too sure what's, what's going on with him. Um, he, he's been on the cusp of a couple of moves, but um, he, he doesn't seem like the same. Um, and yeah, you know, we've, we've touched on Pookie and stuff. But um, yeah, man, do you know what? I I, I don't even want to want to underplay Chelsea. I don't think they needed to be, you know, five-star Chelsea, but they still scored seven. And um, yeah, man, I was going to say, actually, I saw an interesting comment on on Cho from, from, from um, TT, actually, after the game. And he was just like, yeah, like he said something like, um, it's like a bit of a challenge to, to Callum. I've, I've forgotten the quote now. I don't know if you if if you saw it, Cove. I um I know what you're referring to. I can't. I don't yeah. know what the quote was, but I do yeah. know someone. I do know a reporter sort of um, insinuating that yeah, it seems as though TT's being a lot harder on Callum, mm. and maybe the reason why is because he sees the potential in Callum and wants to kind of drag it out. So it's not like mm. oh yeah, you've done this now. Yeah, you're you're good type things. Like no. We want more type thing. Yeah, trying to push yeah, yeah. It, so. something like that. Yeah, exactly. It was something like, um, oh, like obviously it's not, it's obviously it's not worth the work, but something like it's only Norwich. You score a couple of goals against them, cool. Like mm. the other ones doesn't mean anything. So it's quite interesting. Quite interesting to see how he um how he reacts to that. Yeah, um, it's a comprehensive win, and it's, yeah, and I, I, you know, I look forward to it. I think. Obviously, I don't. I don't wish for any players to get injured or the rest of it. But I think for him, the you know grabbing grabbing a moment like this, whilst Team Averna is not around, put that left hand side, it's just perfect. And I mean, I know it's Norwich and all the rest of it, but there are things that I saw on Saturday from him that made me think this is why he needs to play in his favoured position. This is why he needs to be able to do that and be able to play consistently to see the best out of him. You know, so let's just see what he continues to do. He's got a couple of weeks but there. The thing is, how much, how much, my thing with, with Callum anyway in general is like, how much can you really learn in a game like that one? I feel like it's no, more exactly. against structured teams is where you're going to really learn a lot more about, do you know what I mean? Some of some of the ways, you know, the, some of the final ball stuff and some of that kind of thing. I feel like against more structured teams and maybe Thierry Henry is a bit right where he's kind of throwing down the gauntlet. Um, but I think it's just a development thing, you know. But yeah, like you're saying, he has to play. He has to play yeah. in order for him to develop. But you know, it's it's difficult when you're. Do you know what I mean? You're a side like Chelsea going for um, the major honors. It's difficult to have someone come in and out or whatever. But if anyone's going to give him minutes, it's probably going to be too cool. Like 
just nobody seems to be completely out of the fold at Chelsea. Everyone seems to be like, listen, you can you can have a go. Even Loftus cheek, like who would have thought that before? That he's coming in, Ross Barkley coming off off the bench and stuff like that. So and even making the bench, nobody would have thought that. So it just shows the difference when 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 the coach can show confidence um, in the squad. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 a good opportunity for for everybody really. Hundred percent, couldn't agree more with what you've just said, man. So uh, we'll definitely see how the season progresses. And I think for a lot of these men in the Chelsea squad, the names that you just mentioned, namely, um, this season is essentially an audition for them going forward. Do you know what I mean? That they've been kind of cast aside, sent out on loan, this, that, and the other. They're now with the squad now. Tuchel's watching them every day in training, all the rest of it. So, you know, you have this season to really stake your claim. You're playing your games. You're also putting yourself out there in the market as well for other teams to watch you play and that. Mm. If it doesn't work out at Chelsea, you know that you're going to get a move elsewhere. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Especially if Chelsea do well and you are part of that success in some shape or another. So, yeah, man, we'll see going forward. But I mean, I'm excited as a fan. But you know, but for Norwich, if they don't wise up, they're in trouble. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Aston Villa, Arsenal. Oh man, I missed the game. I didn't watch the game live, um, so I had to watch the highlights, and then I watched the full ninety. You know, the you know you can watch the whole full ninety back or whatever. I watched it, and um, Aston Villa lost the last. Three games on the spin. Um, it's not looking good for Aston Villa at the moment. Um, fans are kind of a bit like they're a bit weary because um, after having a you know decent ish start to the season, obviously um, big win um, at Old Trafford, and and really since then it's kind of taken a bit of a nosedive. Um, you know, our the last kind of I went. I was at Villa Park. They won three nil um, against Everton, um, and even that performance, Leon Bailey came off the bench, and for twenty one minutes, just you know, showed why why he he was bought for thirty million in the summer. Um, but outside of that, Aston Villa were quite poor that day. They were definitely quite poor, um, and obviously this three five two formation that they seem to be going with. I I feel like the manager's going to be in a bit of trouble if he sticks with three five two, because um, it doesn't seem to suit the players. Obviously, they brought in Danny Ings in the summer. They brought in Axel Twanzebi, and it seems like they're trying to fit those those two players who are on loan into the into the first eleven. Um, you know, there's no shame in losing the way to Arsenal. Definitely no shame in losing the way to Arsenal and stuff. Um, but I just feel like. If they are, if the manager is gonna kind of um, turn his form around, he's gonna have to ditch the three five two. That doesn't seem to suit anybody um, in the team. Um, like T was talking about it, like Matt Target and um, Matty Cash at fullback, they look decent. At wing back, it's not the same. They're not the same players. Um, the three at the back isn't suiting Tyrone Mings, for example, who who had a good partnership with Konsa. So we don't know why Twan is needed to come in, especially when you've got, for example, Courtney House on the bench, who's actually an Aston Villa, um, you know, player, not someone on loan. Um, then in the midfield, um, seem to be having three midfielders 
And that's a good engine room, obviously. McGinn, Douglas Dewey's plus one. So it could be Buendia or whoever. Um, and then up front, you've got this weird partnership of Ings and Watkins, and they can't work well together. They don't dovetail. They don't really do many combination moves. It doesn't look like it gels very well. So again, for me, he's got to go, he's got to change it um, to kind of suit the, the the players that you got. You got wingers, but ho- this system means that you can't play with any wingers. So you're putting all your pressure on Matty tar- Matt Target and uh, Matty Cash for your width. Um, and then you've just got a whole bunch of players in the middle. And it just it just leads to several situations where Aston Villa are caught one-on-one. Their centre-backs are caught one-on-one in wide areas. And that's not where Tyrone Mings wants to defend. You know, that's not, that Axel, <laughs> that's not where Axel... That's not where Axel wants to defend. That's not how they want to be um, playing. The start position of target every time. Who was it? Uh, was it Saar earlier this season? That, that, that was... Completely a, finished that him. was... That was... I don't even I don't even want to say the words to, to describe <laughs> that. Like that was wild. That was wild. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's difficult. It's difficult to um it's difficult for a player that's used to kind of having a partnership with somebody on the left wing. Obviously, last mm-hmm. season him, Jack Grealish, there was a partnership he could overlap. Now it's like you're the main outlet for both defending and attacking. And I think you've got to have the players for that system. So you know, when I saw, I obviously watched back the game and it was just quite clear what was happening with Arsenal um, and just how direct Arsenal were. And it was just easy to slice through. Mm. Yeah, do you know what? I didn't I didn't catch the game live myself, but um, just a couple of comments on, on the Villa setup. Um, it's still relatively early. And I, I think Villa obviously gone through quite a big transition without, you know, Jackie Grealish, like, now and i remember you know the whole ethos behind replacing him was like yeah we're going to replace his creativity you know we're going to replace his goals and we're going to replace like, maybe his ball carrying or something like that i can't remember like the other the other element um but that's going to take time man you know especially losing a player like that where who carried the ball so much for the side and was such a talisman for the side and then bringing in new players who are going to have to i suppose you know come in and have this transition period. Um, and then also you've got like a change of system. There's a couple of other bits that change as well. I see, you know, Ramsey's getting, a, you know, a few more minutes now and he's, he's doing well. Um, you know, if, if you're changing the system, then you're going to three at the back. You know, it's, it's going to take time, man. Um, I thought actually Cash was doing okay, actually, at wing back. I think he got a goal versus Everton. Really good goal. Mm. Um, and I thought he was kind of thriving in that, you know, with that responsibility, but the inverse was happening with Target. And I thought Target, you know, like we said, is very, very solid last season, extremely solid, um, very steady, and, you know, offered offered quite a bit going forward as well. Um, so it just seems to me there's quite a few moving parts. And obviously you've got the, the new partnership that's, you know, that Dean Smith is, is is trying out. And I think that there was there was a little bit of, um, when you guys signed Ings, because I remember like as soon as, I think as soon as Grealish got sold, Ings came in like almost instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of questions. Oh, like what's going to happen with Watkins? You know, how is Ings and Watkins going to play together? And I feel like there was a bit of defiance from Smith. It was a little bit like, no, they can play together. You know how like some managers say, you know, um, you know, like um, Vieira was saying that Benteke and, and Edward can play together. But mm-hmm. will he actually play them together? And whether, is that conducive for the side? I don't know. 
you know, um, I wonder if that's the same kind of situation or if that's influenced his thinking. Um, I would like to see more of those two because I think they can combine well. But, you know, obviously right now it's going to take time and maybe there's not many offshoots of that. So I suppose all I'm trying to say here is there is quite a few moving parts to it. Buen Diaz obviously come in, Bailey's come in. You know, these are these are players that, that might take a little bit of time to, to, to catch their consistency. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. But I think it's still relatively early. But where where would you play Bailey? Where would you play? So if you're playing in the three five two formation, right? Where are you going to play Bailey? Where are you going to play El Ghazi? Where are you going to play some of these wingers that you know, even Ashley Young or whoever? Where you get where's where does your width come from in that three five two system for Aston Villa? Do you know what I mean? Like what's what's Bailey's position? If you play Watkins and you play Ings, so that's the two front positions. Where then does Bailey play? Yeah, it's a good question. Obviously, that's 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 one for Dean Smith. I'm not really sure what he's thinking there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't really make sense. If you have Traore, you have El Ghazi, you have Bailey, you know, you, you have these guys who, who operate well in wide spaces for you. Um, I'm, I'm not too sure, um, to be honest with you. I'm not too sure like, like what the thinking is there. Um, obviously, to to get the best out of Bailey, you know, we, we saw at Leverkusen, he's, he's, he's got to play either, you know, the furthest forward on the right or the furthest forward on the left. Um, he has played wing back for them before, but it's it's not a natural fit. Um, and and defensively, you're probably leaving yourself a bit vulnerable. So when you got targeted, it doesn't really make sense. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I guess it's one that we, we have to keep an eye on. Yeah, I feel like um, Dean Smith probably is forced. I don't know if it's for Ings and Watkins to start together, but I feel like he's forcing the system on the team, given the re given the players that they have in the team, I think he's forcing it. And I think in terms of like the Arsenal game, um, it seemed like Arteta set up Arsenal to specifically target the weaknesses of that system. And that's exactly what happened. It was carried out to a T. Um, fair play to the Arsenal players and fair play to Arteta as well. Um, and it was just catching... Uh, We're going to have to um, bite that one day, you know? That little comment there. We're going to have to make sure we, we bite that. Listen, I'm, very, I'm very, very objective. I really, I must say, yeah, I really enjoyed... That was probably... I was speaking to Kofi after gate. That was probably the game I've enjoyed the most under, under Mikel Arteta. Thank you. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like... Yeah, you had um, Saka and Smith-Rowe wide, um, basically pinning back, um, certainly Mike Cash um, and Target. But at times as well, they would, they'd come in deep and you could see that, particularly on Arsenal's left-hand side, Cash wasn't sure what to do, whether to follow um, Emil Smith-Rowe or not. And when he did, that's when Nuno would just bomb down and exploit the space that's left back and that's what I was saying when we were talking about Norwich when you when you change to a three at the back that is a specialist system it is it is very and they're specialist roles and full backs can't necessarily play wing backs there's two different roles um, and it requires two different thought processes and I feel like that's where in this particular game Arsenal targeted those areas um and um, as soon as Villa in the second half changed to four two three one, put um, put Buendia in the middle, um, and put Bailey out wide, and um, had Watkins out wide, 
it's it straight away pushed Arsenal's fullbacks backwards and um Brendan was pushing back Thomas Partey and all of a sudden the the game changed a little bit it was a bit more there's a bit more equals a bit more of a contest right mm. with with what was happening in the first half so I feel like it made me think that um is is Dean Smith forcing this just because he's got some sort of thing for having Watkins and and um and Ings up front together. Um, but they don't even do the stuff that you need your sh- two strikers to do well, which is to pin those centre-backs, pin them back, press them, and don't let them get the ball out easily, which is what Arsenal, again, was doing in the first half, getting it out to either, um, either the centre-backs would get out to the full-backs, or even Ramsdale would just ping the ball straight into a into a player in midfield. And I think as well with Buendia and Gwyn and Douglas Suiz, those are... They're all good midfielders, but they get exploited again by the system because if you've got the fullback overlapping the winger from the opposition, then what those midfielders have got to get out wide to try and help, and then that leaves you thin inside. So that's what mm-hmm. I'm saying with, with the system. You've got to, when you're doing a three at the back system, three five two or whatever, it's fine, but it is very specific. And it like T, like you said, it could take a long time to get used to. But I feel I understand what Mark's saying. When you've got the players, you've got Leon, you've got El Ghazi, you've got these players that can play out wide um, and do do a job. And Buendia in the middle now as well and do do a job against teams playing like that. Why not? Why not use it? Why not exploit it? Um, yeah. Losing, I think, what is it? You lost to Wolves 3-2 last minute, last 10 yeah, minutes. last minute. 2-0 yeah, up as well. Asking yeah. for the 2-0 up and just, you know, fell away, 3-2 down. Yeah. Not good enough. That, that's damage. That is that is that is damage, bro. <laughs> yeah. And do you know do you know the thing is just on that, like you know, like you're saying that three five two is a specialist system, but it's not having the, the the right pairs and partnerships on the pitch. And that's the biggest problem, right? So, like you said, that one of those central midfielders is gonna get dragged out into the fullback position. And you just saw it, Arsenal just driving through the middle with the ball, like mm-hmm. um but um Smith Rowe just driving. Driving anyhow, sometimes Lokonga as well. Lokonga would pick yeah. up and just drive through as well. Yeah. Just drive through the middle, and that doesn't happen when you're set up, like you said, like with with a four two three one. You've got the right partnerships, and I think that's when you're setting up a team. It's the right partnerships, and for me, I think Dean Smith needs to be saying to himself, "Okay, I'm going to either play Watkins at wide, or Watkins will sit on the bench, and I'm going to play either." Danny Ings or Watkins up front. You've got to choose which one you've got to play. Um, out of your three centre-halves, you've got to choose two. So it means Twan Zabie has to sit on the bench. doesn't matter if he came on loan and he's, you know, Man United or whatever. He needs to sit on the bench because Konsa and Mings, as they've proven, are a very good partnership. You know, you have to play with your four because that's a good partnership there. Matt Target, he's made to have someone to overlap for or to overlap around. And like you said, defensively, it works better when you've just got a fullback and then you've also got, um, you know, wingers to drop back into a shape, you know. And I think Aston Villa are only, you know, they do well. The 3-5-2 really benefits teams, a lot of teams. I know we talk about it defensively, but offensively, it can also um, help a lot of teams because of the angles you're able to get. And if if you're in possession... And you're able to beat the press in that three five two. You literally can overload so badly 
you know, you can overload the other team and a few passes and you're out. But like you said, Jay, like the risk is that should you get caught on that ball in that system and you're trying to play this this thing, you haven't, you just, if you get caught in the midfield area, if you get caught um, at the back, you know, it's almost like you have to as well. Do you know what I mean? And if and if your two strikers are not hold up men, you, do you get what I'm trying to say? It can, it can start to get a bit, you know, start to get a bit stale. Um, like you said, the opposition can do it. And that's, you know, um, I think with Aston Villa now, that it's a weird position that they're in because where they're at, they're trying to push to get into Europe. Um, and they've spent money. Yes, they've just lost Jack Grealish, but the squad's good enough now. The fans believe, the club believe. And for me, it's just like, I wouldn't want Dean Smith to persist with this system and put more pressure on him because there's a section of the Villa fans that's like, you know what, get him out, get another manager, whatever else. But that's only going to intensify if you continue with this system that doesn't fit um, the players. Nobody can understand why he's still playing the 3-5-2. But obviously, if you read between the lines, he doesn't want to drop Twan Zabi. He doesn't want to drop um, either Danny Ings or Watkins. So, you know, so you fit the whole system around him and you're, he's going to be the one that suffers ultimately if he doesn't make a decision. How long do you, do you think he has, like, on a couple of fronts? So, like, if he continues playing this way, how long do you think he has until patience starts to wear out? Because obviously, it's not just that. Um, it's not just the system; it's the players as well. And and one, one thing I forgot to 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 mention: it's not even just Grealish from a an attacking point of view is Barkley as well, right? Like when he when he started last season, or at least for a half a season before he got that hammy, um, he you know he was in good form, and it was quite a big loss for you guys. So, how much time do you give him? Oh, for me, um, yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think I, I don't think he's under. I don't think he's under pressure like that in terms of like he, he, he should be even spoken about in terms of oh he's going to get sacked right now but i think in 10 games time if he's still playing like this he's going to go you know it's just, it's yeah. as simple as that right in in 10 games time you look at that that's that's going to be half a season yeah? yeah this type of form and these type of more so than form because i think Klopp said something really key in his post match um interview and he said you know what when i analyze the games some i take out the goals I take out the goals and I just look at performance. Yeah, I just look at what happened, yeah. And if you look at what's happening with how this system is playing out, forget about the goals. If you look at what's happening in half a season, they will they will start to get, you know what I mean? They will start to get, um, start to lose results or let res results slip away. So for me, I'll probably say another sort of half, half of the season. So probably that Christmas time, around about the Christmas time, January time, I believe he'll get it right. I believe he'll he'll change it. But I would say around the Christmas time, you know, is the time where you know I don't think Aston Villa can can afford to flirt with any sort of relegation um, problems because we're talking about last season. Aston Villa finished was it like eleventh last season, tenth or eleventh last season? So mm. and that was seen as a very good season. So if they're not at that level this year, they could well get drawn back into a relegation yeah, a a situation. Do you know what I mean? And, and this season is very unforgiving. So that's what I'm just saying. I'm not saying managers should go or anything like that. I'm just saying he has to change the system because, you know, when you look at patterns and you're like, listen, if you keep doing these things, 
your team's going to start learning to lose. And one thing about Aston Villa and teams in general who come up to the Premier League and whatever, after a while, you need to, your team can't start learning to lose. You know, we mm-hmm. saw it with Sheffield United. They were brilliant for a couple of, and then they started to learn to lose. And that's what I'm trying to say. The team can't start to learn to lose. Um, and and you can't, just, it can't be disjointed. You know, systems make a big, big, big difference um, to players, um, especially if it's not at the top level kind of thing. Like, you know, um, systems make a big difference. And if you're going to play, you know, like that and get countered and just have, you know, Tyrell Mings is looking shocking. He's looking the worst that he has looked in an Aston Villa shirt, um, you know, this season. So at the end of the day, and that's your captain. So I think you've got to go back to what makes them look good, you know. Um, but I suppose we'll see. Do you know what I mean? I, I suppose we'll see. I, I, I wouldn't say get rid of Dean Smith and this, that, the other. But if he continues in this way and he sticks with the system, I cannot see 3-5-2 working for him. Mm. You know, it's funny. It just seems as though all the changes have just come and it kind of coincides with John Terry leaving. You know, John Terry um, seemed to be a real big influence last year. In the defensive shape, defensive line, obviously, likes of um, Tyron Mings and, you know, Cons and all the rest of it. Um, and I really felt as though, you know, Aston Villa had their blueprint. The 4 was their blueprint. Even with the players that Villa brought in, I still thought 4 was going to be the blueprint. But this time, you've added a bit of strength and depth. So now you've got not just Ollie Watkins, who I believe is you know, a really, really, really good forward, really young, really, really hungry forward. But now you brought in a proven Premier League goal scorer in Danny Yings to probably come in and challenge him and probably raise his game. But instead, like you guys have said, um, you know, it just seems as though Dean Smith has decided to go a completely different route and try and force them to playing up top. And uh, I mean, yeah, I think eventually he will have to change it back. Even if they start getting results, um, and still persist with this system, I still feel as though in the long term, going back to what, you know, got a lot of people watching them last season for would be the right thing to do. Because, I mean, I was a big fan of Villa last season. I, I made no secret of that. Um, that's because they had a lot of balance in the team. They had the right profile players in the right positions. You speak about Matty Cash, you speak about Target, really, really good fullbacks. They were very, they were quite conservative, but, that's, that, was, that was their bread and butter. They allowed the forward men to go and do what the forward men went to go and do and then provided that, you know, opportunity presented itself, they would contribute. Um, so I think the sooner that Dean Smith realises this, the better for Villa. So we'll have to see, man. We're only nine, nine games in, but yeah, it doesn't, doesn't look too good right now. Yeah. And pat- patterns in this league... You know, obviously we're recording this every week, but there's certain times where we're talking about patterns, and you, you know, mm-hmm. though the result doesn't say it, the pattern, the patterns can, can sort of, there's usually telltale signs. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Obviously, 100%. that's a good segue to talk about <laughs> the patterns that we saw, that we've been seeing, that we've been saying about um, Man United. Um, Paul Scholes' quote, they beat Atalanta and everybody was calling Paul Scholes so grumpy. Everybody was saying, listen, you're so grumpy. They won the game or whatever. And Paul Scholes just told them straight, yeah, you play like that against Liverpool, see what happens. And we saw what happened. Do you get what I'm saying? United got absolutely embarrassed, humiliated. 
one of the darkest days, I would say, in the club's modern history. Um, but then if you look at the result, like I don't think Liverpool beating Man United 5-0 at home, that's some it's historical stuff. That's not, that's not, exactly. But you know what? That you'll take, you know, you'll take, look, the Salah Hattrick, whatever, right? He's, 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 you know, top two, top three, you know what I mean, in the world at the moment. But, you know, losing 5 nil at home is, is unforgivable. Do you get what I'm trying to say? But yeah, T, do your thing, man. Talk about it. From your perspective, yeah? How, how does that make you feel? I'm, I'm very much, I'm resisting a lot of things right now. But, um, yeah. Obviously, the black hoodies for Oli. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's just it's, it's a dark day. You know, we'll start off on that front. Um, requiem, requiem, things. <laughs> bro, you know, you just just gotta, yeah, man. Just, just pay our respects. Um, I mean, you know what? Coming into this game, I heard a lot of things like, and I think it actually got to me a little bit. I was saying to you lot in the group, I was like, oh, yeah, I can see United win or, you know, them nicking it or whatever. And, you know, since since Klopp has taken over, I feel like he's, um, when he goes to Old Trafford, he kind of he kind of puts the brakes on a little bit. That's the one stadium where he doesn't really let the boys, like, off the leash and tell them, yeah, you know, go and do your thing. I feel like he's, he, there's always a bit of reluctance to, to, to do that. Um but um, yeah, in, in the build-up, you know, I heard Carragher talking. Oh, yeah, you know, United might nick this, and Gary Neville. Oh, yeah, they might do it. And I thought to myself, you know what? It would be typical if you know the pressure's on Oli like this, and then they 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 go out and pull out a performance. And I I was just imagining Rashford. You know, he always scores against Liverpool. I was thinking, oh man, this guy is back in good nick just in time. Um, but you know what? All of that out the window, man. Um, Obviously, the game started and there was a key chance for for Fernandez, and I thought, wait, like maybe you know that's that's you know that's that's a, a bit of a let off. But when Cater scored, it was like, okay, it's a good start. I'll take that. But then I started to look at what was happening, and it was like the way that the way that Cater scored the goal. I was like, hold on, what's going on here? So Greenwood's gone. Then Wambasaka's just just it kind of in no man's land but Liverpool just popping it around it l- looked very easy it looked almost like it looked almost like that rehearsed and then you know you've, you've got to the point where you're you're playing cater through and United players are just looking well yeah, yeah you know is where it is kind of thing and then and then two you know I was thinking to myself wow what's going on here you know um doesn't seem to be any fight doesn't seem to be any no one talking to each other. Again, United sort of chasing shadows a little bit. And, you know, kind of similarly to the to the, the Chelsea result, I, I don't think Liverpool had to be, you know, 100% at the races, to be honest, because, you know, they were giving away the ball a little bit cheaply in the midfield. Um, you know, I was a little bit worried about the mobility, Henderson, Milner and Keita starting the game. I was thinking, oh, I'm not, I'm not too sure how this is going to work out. But, listen... Liverpool popping it about, you know, getting on the ball. United giving Trent space. Get on it. Yeah, do your stuff. Trying to press Van Dijk. I don't understand. I really don't. Because if you, we've seen it before. You try and press Van Dijk, you can pop it long. You know what I mean? Um, well, he's very good on the ball. He can distribute pretty much whichever way he wants to. 
Um, I thought maybe, you know, Henderson might have a bit of trouble with Bruno. Didn't have any issues whatsoever. I was just very surprised as the game was progressing because United had a few decent opportunities at the start, but it just got, it seemed like it got easier and easier. Liverpool smoked blood. And then for me, of recent, I've been saying this to Jay quite a lot. I was like, Liverpool have created a lot of chances and obviously they scored a lot of goals this season, but they've not always taken the chances. A couple of games where, you know, they've not just been clinical enough, whether it's Jota, you know, Mane, Salah, um, they could have really taken some games by the scruff of the neck. But but this game, they just seem to be hitting the back and then out of will. I actually thought to myself, you know, this could actually get, this could go six, seven, eight at one point. But I think I think Klopp was saying after the game that he, he wanted to prioritise the players leaving healthy. Because obviously, you know, a couple of men were, were dropping down, you know, I won't mention any names, but a couple of fouls happening here and there. A bit of you mean Milner went off in the first, Milner went off in it? Was it Milner? He, he pulled up? Is that what you're on yeah. about? Milner pulled up, but Milner always pulls up in it. I'm talking about, yeah. um, you know, Paul nah, that's all you're on about, mate. I, I've told you what you're on about. You, you just thought about nah, Milner. No, nah, I'm talking <laughs> about Pogba and that atrocious challenge. You know, there was another nasty one on, uh, and I think it was Jota, which which someone seemed to get away with. Don't know why, but anyway, um, yeah, man. Do you know what? The game was very strange, like because it just kept happening. It just kept the goals kept coming. And it seemed that Liverpool just started to just took their foot off the gas when they when they thought, you know what, we'll just stop playing here. You know, United looked in complete disarray. Um, I don't even really have words for the performance. Things weird things kept happening. Like Wambasaka was just disconnected. It seemed from from the back line. Maguire and Lindelof kept crossing each other, bumping into each other like they've never met before. Um, you know, McTominay and Fred usually are, you know snapping at guys' heels in in the midfield. You know, I saw I saw Fred get manhandled by Konate, you know, in a little scuff and stuff. It's just just unheard of, man. Just unheard of, you know. And then when when Oli got booed off at half time, I was thinking, boy, is it possible like for something to happen at half time? Like what's gonna happen here? Because this is unheard of, you know, it's really unheard of. I'm seeing, you know, King Kenny in the in the in the stands having a laugh, you know, Ferguson looking like, you know, looking like he's having a torrid time. It's just all happening at once, man, you know. So from from, a, from your lens though, as a Liverpool mm, fan, be honest, mm, yeah. For as a Liverpool fan, how did that feel to do that to Man United in their own? I backyard? felt good, man. No, I felt After good. All felt those good. years, I'm sure you felt vindicated. <laughs> yeah, it felt good. I guess for, for me, I'm I'm a little bit of a different Liverpool fan, where I'm a bit more pessimistic, as you man know. Probably because of you lot that I'm I'm this way <laughs> over the years. But um, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit more withheld, man. But no, nah, you know what. I watched it with my old man yesterday, and yeah, man, we had a good laugh, a good, a good little chat as well. We enjoyed it, man, which is um, which is a good one. You know, it kind of reminded me of the four-one, all those years ago under Rafa. Reminded me of that. Reminded me of the three-nil under under Rogers. There was like a a level of resign from United. Um, but yeah, I felt I felt like Klopp was Judas as well, man. It's funny because the Bruno chance, yeah, in the first couple of minutes, mm. I feel like if that goes in, the game still ends up the same way. Do you reckon? Yeah, still the same. Because the United, their only tactic was going to be to rush, try and turn over the ball. And, you know, the usual, the, the mm. usual stuff that we've obviously discussed in previous podcasts. But um, 
even if that went in, Liverpool still have the firepower and the strategy. Because like you said, as soon as Liverpool started playing football, that's where it started to unravel. As soon as they started to actually play ball, started to kick ball, started to move it, it was like the gaps just started to appear. Manchester United were chasing after Liverpool players and forgetting about their shape. The, the shape is non-existent. You can't play the 4-2-4. You can't do that. Like we say, we're always talking about this. We're talking about it earlier when it comes to Aston Aston Villa and how they were moving in that shape. Well, with Manchester United, you can't. It's about partnerships. You got to have partnerships. You got to have certain areas of the pitch where you have partnerships and you press at the same time or you drop at the same time. But what you have is a mixture of some players that run and go and press and a back four that just sits in its line and then it just leaves a big hole in the middle with Fred and McTominay. And then they're having to compete with the number 10s of the opposing teams and whatever. So I think, you know, um, if you've got good wide players, and Liverpool obviously do, you know, it's it's, it's always going to be easy because then people just get dragged towards the ball. And you wonder what the Manchester United players, um, what was in their heads? Did they just think that they were just going to go for it? Because I know people leveled that at the manager, but when you actually think about it and you look at it, what kind of tactics could you actually see like what? What do you think he was trying to do? Yeah, you know what? It's um, it's really difficult to see. Oli's made a couple comments which have been a bit concerning because he said he was close to where he wanted to be, um, as the United manager. Hmm. And I just wonder at what point? Wh- wh- when is he referring to? You know, is he referring to last season when? I think it was who, who came, which, you know, Sheffield United coming to your backyard and 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 turning you over. And well, at what point was he comfortable with the trajectory United have been going on? You know, I'm not I'm not sure what exactly he's referring to, and I think that kind of underpins everything. If he's got an idea in his mind of where United are going and he's happy with it, but there's a clear, you know, I suppose hesitancy or or um, you know people are not really embracing that. Um, I just wonder what's what's going on there, man. I mean, I'm 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 a bit lost for words. I'm not going to lie to you. The the amount of space that I saw yesterday, you know, players who usually perform very well in that fixture, you know, Luke Shaw, for example, usually plays very well versus Salah. Look lost, you know, um, and you know, Jay said something during the game, and it it, it made me think, right, maybe this is the case. Like, have they just down tooled? Like. Because there was a couple of things that happened. I don't know if you remember Rashford. He passed back about 30 yards and it set up a Liverpool attack. And I was like, what's what what's happening? Like it, like genuinely, what's happening? Are they are they trying to throw the game in? Because yeah. it doesn't <laughs> make sense. That's giving them too much credit. You're giving yeah. them, you're trying to give them too much credit there, man. Nah, man, I was just I'm just I'm <laughs> just confused, trying. man. I'm just I confused. Think, I think there was another just just picking up from where T Two left off. There was another point in the game as well where Liverpool had the ball, and were attacking um, United, and and I could see um, what's his name, Maguire, just pointing to pointing to someone to pick up um, one of the players or whatever, and then he like he just kept pointing and running, like he did, you know what I mean. And then in the end, he ended up fouling that <laughs> player right in front of what's it called? But it was just proper clumsy. Stuff, but it's not stuff that as well that we we saw just in the game against Liverpool. He's, I don't know if you remember against Leicester as well. Like for one of the set um, set pieces, 
he was just completely lost. Like he was looking left and right. The set piece came in, doesn't know where the ball is. Then it yeah. lands with Dakar. Dakar puts it in, and he's just like, whoa, like, you know. And um, so yeah, the reason why I said that to T yesterday because it it just felt like the way Man United were playing, it just felt like this was the end for Oli. Like, you know what I mean? And at one point, he was just standing on the sidelines, like just staring, like. Staring like, you know, like he'd just been excluded from school and his parents, like his dad was coming to get him or something like that. And it was like, you know, that, like, you know, the ones, you know, what, and you know what, at five nil, I think it was four nil, five nil down or whatever. Yeah, four nil down. He went, and then when they went to 10 men, he went to a five three one formation. That's that's you know, what speaking, can you say? Of, speaking of changes as well, he took off. Mason for Pogba half time. Yeah, right? I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I don't know. I don't I, understand I don't, it. I don't get why. Personally, for me, Pogba's not a. He's not a player that you bring on if you don't. If you don't start him, then, then that's it. Don't don't bring him on. You know. Um, but yeah, that sub was even. I was. It was even more crazy. Like, um, and this isn't new as well. This is the thing. Like. The subs that Oli makes, the 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 subs, it's not new. This is what I'm trying to say. Like when we talk about this, we're on about patterns over and over and over and over again. It's like I even get bored having to keep talking about Oli and whatever, whatever. But it's like over and over and over and over and over again, this guy makes the same same decisions, and there's only so long you can go on. Okay, we're losing. Okay, chuck on all my attackers, make something happen. You know, there's only so so long you can go until you're gonna get badly exposed. And I think Atalanta were the first side to really, really, really kind of give it to them in that type of way with this. And then he went and started the same eleven against Liverpool that were two 0 down against Atalanta. It didn't make sense. That see, that didn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? And that Atalanta team didn't have. I think they're full. The full first oh, eleven, five players yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. So they were, you know, at a disadvantage in that sense. But it's yeah. just like the lines, the the three lines at, Arsenal, at United, the forward line, the midfield, and they're playing. They're all playing different games. They're not playing together. That's the main thing. It's like they're playing different games. They have got all different sets of instructions. Um, Boy. Man United have got Spurs next, and then Atalanta, and then Man City. Spurs. They, they could, they could literally, they, well, they could be in the bottom half, but but after they play against Man City, they could legit be in the bottom half of the table. Spurs and um, Man United are like the two worst teams playing each other, apart from <laughs> like, <laughs> apart from like Norwich. <laughs> it's like the two. So that's going to be an interesting game to see who wins. <laughs> That's you know the, I mean? I, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, just just purely for the fact of how Manchester United are defending, um, I think Spurs, if Spurs don't... I said this before, as so I was trying to tell T this, but T was deflecting it. If Liverpool didn't beat Manchester United, I was going to... I was I was ready to come with smoke if you didn't beat my... Not because, obviously, it's a, it's, a, it's a Man United win, but I was like, how can you not beat this team? I knew how bad it was going to be before... The start of the game. I knew. I know. I know this team. Do you get what I'm saying? Oftentimes, when I'm confident, you know, I'm gonna like, yeah, what we're winning, whatever, whatever. I knew straight away. I just knew these pieces are not gonna. You can't magic organization. 
You know what I'm saying? And like what you're talking about, it looks like players have down tools. That's a lack of organization. You shouldn't be making things up in game, like not major structural things. That shouldn't be being worked out by, like you said, everyone pointing all over the place. You shouldn't be doing that. You know what I'm trying to say? You shouldn't be trying, you shouldn't be having to conjure up the courage to kind of do that. So when you're doing that, you're gonna get slapped. And ultimately, the manager, like I said last week, eventually he's gonna get sacked. You know, probably by the time we put this out, it could be sacked. But, you know, eventually the manager's going to get sacked. But um, obviously, as we end on whatever, I would just say, um, more ask the question anyway, openly. Like, um, if Oli goes, um, what do you think is the main priority for a new coach at Manchester United um, if they're coming in? Like playing style wise, or let's let's go for players wise. What do you think is the main priority in terms of who would you take out of the team, who would you put into the team, and what sort of based on the squad they have? Because obviously they can't sign anybody until January. What would you say would be the most important issues to address in the team if they if they're to remove the manager, change it? What you know? What do they have to address? It's mm. a good question. Um. Funny enough, I think Jay asked me this very similar thing on the weekend. It was like, what would you do if you should not? I think it was Saturday. Um, and we had a little chat about it. And um, I was thinking, yeah, if I was United manager, I would probably drop a couple men. I'd probably drop um, Wambasaka. I'd probably drop Maguire. I'd bring in... Sancho, Dallo, Bailly. Um, I'll take out Ronaldo. So this is this is not very cohesive. Basically, um, I think the the priority is to get the team functioning, the team functioning. That's the main thing because right now, as Jay said, like the the free lands are just all over the gaff, and it's not like you don't have pieces that you you can't work with. There the the pieces are there. You know, we saw Sancho on the bench. For me, I, I'm just, I'm shocked. I'm shocked at that. But obviously, there's not really a, a system for him. So for me, yeah, it's just, it's very simple. You get in, you get in players who fit your ambition. If you want to, if you're United, you should be, you know, on the front foot. You should be dominating games. You should be attacking. You should be creating. You should be. So you Sancho on the right, you would say. High, so Sancho on the right. Um, you know what? Yeah, because I think Dalo, Dalo, and him could could work well. Um, just because he, he, yeah, partnership, as, as you've been saying, you know, create that relationship. And Dello's very good, you know, moving forward. Um, I think the main thing is, is, to, is to have a clear identity and get that team functioning. Because if you're saying you want to play on the front foot and, you know, Oli was saying, yeah, you know, 4 3, three from the summer and stuff. But then you bring in Ronaldo and we, we've all seen, you know, his, his, his pressures and, you know, they're probably 18th or 19th, I think, in the league we've seen. Um, so clearly you can't play on the front foot if you don't have players who are carrying out those instructions. So you need to get players in who, who embody what you want to do. And to me, it's a very easy choice. You've got to make, you've got to make decisions that's best for the team. And I think you were saying this, Marky, that you'd make some very easy decisions in terms of dropping certain players. Um, yeah. So for me, yeah, it's very simple. I would, I would, so would I would you go 4 3 3? I would have, yeah, go, did I say 4 3 3, Jay? I think I said 4 3 3. Yeah, I think it was four. I think it was four three. I can't remember. I think it was four three three. Um, yeah, and I, I would get in, you know, players who can operate. Put, put Bayi next to Varane. They've got a bit of pace. You know, you can you can move the line up. 
simple. You know, get Shaw, sure. Dalo playing fullback. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely sure. Um, for sure. And getting Bruno, you know, in with, you know, maybe a couple of other men in the midfield. Um, uh, I think I said just a whole just a, a pure holding midfielder. So don't if, if you're gonna play McTominay or you're gonna play Fred or whatever, just tell them to just sit. They might not be the best at it, but get a function going. So you've got a placeholder at least, so you know, okay, cool. We're gonna improve on this. This is the player we want. But we're just gonna have a placeholder here, just a screen here. This is this is this mm. is what we're doing. And then you got um very easy for me, Sancho, um, Rash and Greenwood up front. Mm. Mm. That's uh, sounds like a sound like a yeah, like you're saying it's a functional team. Cool. Um Kofi, so cool. You have this Man United new team, whatever. They're playing the four three three formation, as Oli's saying, whatever. But as whoever the manager is, who's your midfield three? The midfield Do you play, would you play Pogba and Bruno or Pogba or Bruno would um, you play Matic would you Donny van der Beek would you bring him in at all it, it's weird um, the United the United midfield at the moment I don't look at I don't look at the roster of players and see a midfield free with a, with a single pivot I don't see it I just don't see it even if he stuck McTominay or Fred in a single pivot um, position I just don't see them being able to carry out that type of role in in an effective manner. Um, we talk about specialist specialist formations. That position as a holding midfielder on your own is a specialist role. And if they've if they've not been able to um, impose themselves as a pair, I, I can't see them doing it on their own. It, I, I just can't, cannot see it. So to come up with a free is very, very difficult. But if, if it was by choice, then I would go with a Matic, Pogba or Fernandes. Which one along would you? Let's say I, I mean, either or. Because me, me, me personally in a 4-3-3, three, three, I'd probably go with, go with Pogba just because I feel like Pogba with someone in behind him to protect in the middle of the park and probably alongside someone that can provide him or give him extra license to move forward and all those if it could provide more of a danger um, than Bruno and it sounds mad that I'm saying that because of the numbers that Bruno's put up but I look at Bruno and I still see him as a as a SS as a support striker in a way but in, in the way that he plays and not as a not as a centre of the park type player yep. um, so it, it is really difficult but if, if we're talking about the free it would be Matic, Pogba and someone, whether that's Van der Beek or whoever, just to play alongside, just to get some fluidity going. Um, and it's weird. You know what? Just very quickly, just before I even finish off, we're speaking about stars of playing, you know, the next manager, what should they do when they come in? T's obviously mentioned it already. Finding find an identity with the team is, is, the, is the most important thing. First off, you look at um, Crystal Palace, for example. They're playing MacArthur in midfield and you see him bossing the midfield about so it's not a question of it's not a question of quality in this case it's just a question of being able to actually carry out instructions or being able to instruct a player you know of what they're meant to do in certain type of situations because you see MacArthur picking up the ball and picking up the ball from center backs and dictating play and starting off attacks this wasn't a, this wasn't a way that Crystal Palace were known to actually play before under under Hudson Vieira's come in and you've seen that change. 
already. So as long as you get a manager that comes in and is able to stamp his authority and get the team to play a particular way and set up and be able to understand what certain triggers, what, you know, what certain triggers are to be able to press and all the rest of it, then you go from there. I think then after that, you then start to look at the quality of playing each position. But for now, mm. it's just setting the system um, in, there. in there, yeah, and just kind of get it going. The same for argument's sake, though. If you're too in there is Matic and, like you say, Pogba, who's your third one based on their squad now? So if they sat the man today, they got to build a team for the next five, six, seven games, who's your third one based on the players they have now? Um, and I'm not... Well, in terms of profile player, I'll put Van der Beek in there. Just in terms of profile. Mm. Just mm. in terms of player profile. Um, I wouldn't play... Fr- you know what? Coincident is mad. Fred would probably love it playing there. He himself would probably love playing there, but uh, uh, Fred for Brazil and Fred for United are two completely different players. So I don't know, man. So yeah, it would have to be Van der Beek, unfortunately. <laughs> for him. Yeah. But yeah. Matic, Pogba... Van the beat, cool. All right, cool. So your front three, Jay, if you was to say this. So obviously we dealt with the defense, whatever. Your front three for Man United, who who would they be? So no midfield three, front three. Um, front three. Uh, what we're playing four three three, you said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, my front three is Sancho, Greenwood, and Rashford. This, this, I think it picks itself. <laughs> I think that's probably the easiest one, man. Um. Because you've got oh. that. Sorry. Sorry. Just for you, just for, hold that thought very quickly. I just remember the player. I don't know how I forgot him. I played Lingard in there instead of um, Van de Beek. What am I talking about? Okay. I was waiting yeah. for Matt to say that. Yeah. Man. Sorry. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot about it. But yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Jay. Go on. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 my front three, man. I think you've got, um, as T mentioned before, if you have Adalo playing with Sancho on that right hand side, you've got the partnerships. The creativity, um, specifically from, from Sancho, and um, Dallo is good with with overlapping, um, overlapping runs. So that would work nicely because you could have Sancho coming inside and creating a bit more um, inside, um, and then Greenwood up front. Um, but the thing I'd like to stress though is that it doesn't necessarily have to be like some sturdy. You're here. You're here. You're here. I'll there's got to be a flow like, you know, these guys can interchange because they're smart enough and they're fluid enough and whatnot to to interchange positions. But yeah, Greenwood's a shooter. Like we, we've all seen it. Greenwood's a shooter. He's a straight up shooter. Um, and he's also got the mobility and the um, stamina to carry out. If we are going to play on the front foot and press, he's got that. He's got that to do that. Um, and I think he's better off in the middle, playing primarily in the middle rather than um, out wide. And then Rashford on the left, I mean, we've seen him. Um, he might have some parts of his game that's not that's not fully developed yet, but on the left, he can be a real handful for, for most, um, most teams. Um, and he has this knack of being able to draw um, opposition players towards him and actually get something off and free up space for other people. Um, from that position so that would be my front three however can I just say when um, I spoke to T about this last week um, I actually had like um, 
because because Kofi mentioned it, actually had Lingard behind um, Rashford and um, Greenwood uh, in, as a front three kind of thing. Because I think Lingard in that hole there, yeah, I think he has the right blend of someone that can score goals. We saw at West Ham, um, but also someone with the energy to help. Um, particularly in the game like against Liverpool, right, where you've Liverpool kind of play centrally. They're now playing rotations and passing a lot more and whatnot. You need that player who's got the energy to stick it on that um, the defensive midfielder who's going to start the, the, the attacks. Um, so, yeah, I thought I'd put that one in there. Yeah, no, that's key. And I think that was, like, for me, that's what's important is that when you're looking at it now, the way that people talk about Manchester United... It was always it's always name brand. Do you know what I mean? It's name brand players, name brand whatever, and it's not about the football or about the functionality and stuff like that. And I think that's the most important thing that when you actually put a system in place, it means that certain people can't play, and that's it. You just need a man or a manager or a person who's confident enough to say, "This is how we're going to approach a game, and this is how this is our this is our approach, and this is what it is." If Ronaldo wants to play, he's going to have to do whatever. Greenwood does if for example Martial wants to get back into the fold on that left hand side he has to match Rashford if if Pogba wants to play he has to or if Bruno has to do you know what I mean it's like roles in the team and that's going to be the most important thing um, for whoever managed manages them but also it highlights like like even Kofi when you're saying about like the midfield and it's like who would you play and it's like oh this one this one and then we'd need one of these type of players you know people talk about the recruitment of, but you can see that in that midfield, it's quite it's quite difficult to put through a three that you would say, do you know what? It's easy. I just I won't play McFred. I'll play this player or that player. Do you know what I mean? So they've got a mishmash of individual talents um, that need to be coached and stuff. But obviously, it's not it's not been easy for the manager to to kind of to change that once you've got this roster. And then, like you're saying, we're talking about dropping Ronaldo. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying like yeah. no one even mentioned Cavani as well do you know what I mean so we've got Cavani there as well waiting on the wings um, to, to try and play so I think there's a big squad there's a lot of individual kind of players but I think like you said you need a strong personality to manage this dressing room so yeah that was the Breakdown Podcast episode 8 we'll see you next week